Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pelvic Matters. I'm your host, Marina Castellanos, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health for women and children in Westchester County, New York. Today on the show, I am joined by pediatric physical therapist, Melissa Broderick. So if you have a baby, are expecting a baby, or planning to have a baby, this episode will have some great information for you regarding early motor development and topics like tummy time. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. So why don't we start off with you sharing a bit about yourself with listeners and how you came to be a pediatric physical therapist. So um, as I was in sports, I was in a gymnast. And so as a gymnast, I was competitive for years and ended up with lots of orthopedic sports injuries. And that was my first introduction to the world of physical therapy. And it was just amazing. The, my physical therapists were just very cool. They were so compassionate. They were so smart and they knew the body so well. And every time that I broke my body, they fixed me up and sent me back on my way. And initially I was like, you know what? I want to be a doctor. But then in shadowing, I was like, you know what? I get to spend so much more time with people as a PT. And I really love people. I love talking to people. Um, so it was just so nice that when I decided I didn't want to do pre-med, I changed my major to be a PT. And that's actually how I became, went into PT school. And in PT school, they had scholarships through the New York City Department of Education. So that evolved into my introduction of pediatrics. So I've always worked with children. I was a gymnastics coach. Um, I did birthday parties and everything as a teenager. So it kind of felt like the next perfect step since I've had so much experience with kids that instead of, you know, just playing with them at a birthday party and teaching them gymnastics, I could help them. So when I went for the board of ed, I, that's where I also started working and learning about infant development and doing early intervention. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I would love to start off just with the big thing that most new parents hear about or, you know, expecting moms hear about, and that's tummy time. I feel like mothers and parents, they get inundated with tummy time, tummy time, tummy time. Like that's just the biggest thing that they're told to work on, um, you know, with their babies. And of course, you know, nobody puts their babies to sleep on their belly anymore. At least that's not the, the recommendation. So that's why there's the extra push about doing tummy time um, when the babies are awake. So let's, let's have you share with listeners, why is tummy time so darn important? So tummy time is so important, especially because of the back to sleep program. Mm -hmm. So prior to the back to sleep program, a baby would be placed on their belly and even the smallest movement of lifting their head and turning to the side just to clear their airway would give them essentially one repetition of movement to work those neck muscles. So the baby prior to the back to sleep program would essentially have a lot of reps to move their head to clear their airway because that was the known thing to do was to sleep your baby on your belly. And they slept so well because they couldn't startle because their hands were tucked underneath them. Mm -hmm. So in the back to sleep program, babies are not working their neck against gravity. And in development, you really develop from head to toe. Mm -hmm. So the lost development of even working repetitions, like I, I break it down for parents that each time you move, it's a repetition. You kind of want to move well. So when we're first developing our neck control, we have to work it against gravity. And that's why tummy time is so important. Just that initial head lifting, getting that repetition in, everything is cumulative with muscle strengthening. So the more that they practice it, the stronger they become. And 
the importance of developing neck control and trunk control, that postural control sets a tone for movement in life. So it really is so important to have that neck control be well integrated, well integrated as soon as possible. Absolutely. And I think um, that's such a, a great thing that you brought up, um, the back to sleep program, which is, you know, it's still the recommendation that exists today and for good reason um, because of SIDS. So when you have the big concern about, you know, is a baby going to suffocate on their tummy when they're sleeping? So absolutely. So we're definitely not, you know, advocating for, you know, passive time, you know, on the belly with our discussion. It's really, like you said, about the active, you know, every time they move, they get that active extension from their neck, lifting it up away from the floor, whatever they're laying on um, to start working their muscles. That's also a great reminder for listeners of how development really occurs, like head to toe. So, you know, kind of an offshoot of that with tummy time, um, you know, we're, we're all also inundated by these recommendations for equipment, like, you know, some kind of seating or something to like hold our little, little tiny babies in upright. So we feel like they can look at the world and they can participate in everything. But if they're not getting that vital practice of tummy time, and then they're just placed in equipment, their body just tends to kind of mold to the equipment that they're in. And then that raises, you know, a host of other issues. Um, so let's let's give parents some tips for tummy time. If they're trying it, they feel like, you know, the baby's not tolerating it too well. You know, what are some ideas we can give them to practice at home? So um, am I able to address that whole container device? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So... I first and foremost want to say the container devices were created by toy manufacturing companies. They were not yeah. created with the uh, with a physical therapist that knows development. Mm -hmm. They were created by toy companies that need to, it's a business. They need to yeah. earn money. Absolutely. So their marketing is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Your baby will love this. Your baby is going to love that. And in every one of and these- they usually houses, do. And they, and they do. You know why? Mm -hmm. It's hugely entertaining yeah. to just passively stare at something. Mm -hmm. So- the other thing that they don't realize that they effectively did was they made it so easy for the baby to engage in the world and be entertained because they placed everything vertical. Mm -hmm. So there's zero work against gravity. The more you move towards a horizontal plane, as you know, the more challenging. I always mm -hmm. tell my parents, do a wall push-up. You could do it till the cows come home. You could do a million push-ups. You're not developing anything, but you could do it. You put that same position on the horizontal. Let me see you do your push-ups. That's yeah. when the body's working against gravity. Yep. It's against gravity. So mm -hmm. the toy companies, without knowing this, have created a toy that makes it lovable by the baby because it's zero work. Yet there's pure entertainment, but I don't have to work for it. So of course I love my jumper. Of course I love my exerciser. I love my bumbo. I'm not required to do anything. So when they're introduced to that and then transitioned over to doing work, that's when, that's when the big problem comes. That's when the baby that hates tummy time really comes out and the screaming. But if those babies were never introduced to those container devices mm -hmm. and had to challenge their body, not only to tummy time, like I always tell parents, you know, the misconception is it's either back or belly. And it's not, it's back, it's belly, it's right side, it's left side. You actually need to work on head control in all the ways that a neck can move. Mm -hmm. So I hope we, you and I through even this podcast can dispel the myth that it's only back 
time or belly time. Mm -hmm. I want to introduce the understanding that there's other positions the head needs to be introduced in. There's other functional positions a baby's body needs to spend time in to eventually move through because it is a transitional position, such as side lie. Mm -hmm. So I in addressing tummy time, to make it easier, I always tell a parent, you need to start with it elevated. We're going to take the toy company's understanding of why it's so great to be vertical and we'll do it for the babies. So you're going to start vertical and you're going to challenge them a little bit. And again, everything is cumulative. You, you have to continue to consistently work at it. Doing it here and there is not as ideal than the consistent work. So I tell parents that if your baby is well-fed, they're happy, they're somewhat ready to learn, essentially, you do purposeful play on your chest, tuck those arms in and get them to start even just lifting their head up a little bit and they might drop it. Well, they will drop it down because they don't have the neck control. Mm -hmm. But over time and practice, that control will increase. The ability to maintain head lifting will increase. The ability to lower it once from a head lifted position down to the chest will be improved. And then you start challenging more by moving towards a horizontal. So I also talk a lot to my parents who struggle with tummy time, not because they haven't practiced it, because there is a such a thing as proportion size in babies. A, a child with a larger size head, let's say the child has a 99th percentile head on a 50th percentile body, or a 50% head on a 1% body, you do the math, it's hard. Mm -hmm. So we have to give those babies a little bit more consideration with maybe we need to actually spend a little bit more time closer to the vertical before we move to the horizontal. Or I'll say, wait till the baby's well rested, then you try the most challenging position. And as they start to say, or as the baby starts indicating there's a little bit of irritation, they're a little fussy, then you bring them upright. It's not something you need them to scream through because no one learns when they're heightened emotionally. Right. So we want a nice, calm baby mm -hmm. working on head lifting, not one that's screaming because a screaming baby will make a mommy cry. You know, I, it, they make me cry. My own kids make me cry <laughs> heightened. So I'm crying, the baby's crying. So then everyone will then be like, you know what, the best way is to not do it at all. Mm -hmm. So the, the key to starting is to start small baby steps, let them learn in a happy mood, let them be successful, mm -hmm. and then you continue to increase a challenge in that same ideal environment. Yeah, that's such all great information um, for parents and everybody listening. I think also the other part about it is that when you get to do, you know, tummy time on your chest in the vertical, you know, that's such a great bonding time. You get to do like silly faces with your baby and make googly noises. I mean, that's just so much fun. And like you said, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to last forever. You're not, you don't have to do that for an extended period of time. Even if it's just a couple of minutes, you know, your baby is working then that entire time and that's a long time to a baby. So just even doing it spread out throughout the day and in little, you know, increments of a few minutes here and there, like that's plenty. It adds up to a lot. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really valuable and really productive um, when doing all this, you know, at home. I think um, the other great point that you mentioned was, you know, if a baby is really, you know, crying and upset, you know, how are they really using the right muscles that we want them to use? And then, you know, using them the way we want them to. So yeah, tummy time definitely shouldn't be, um, you know, stressful for a baby, you know, stick a mirror in front of them, stick a new toy in front of them that you just use for tummy time. Let's try to make it fun um, so that baby's happy and then we'll want to do it over and over again. Absolutely. Sure. 
And um, I, I always actually mentioned to my parents, I said, a baby that started tummy time at a young age and consistently introduced to it have, has never been the report that that baby doesn't like tummy time. Right. It's, I've never had a parent that has started with me with a young infant. I'm talking about one, two, three, four weeks of age. And we've worked on an excellent tummy time protocol. And we used to transition them when they get tired, even doing sideline and then coming back to tummy time. Those babies, parents will be like, this, my baby loves tummy time. And, then I, and I'll say yes, because it's not hard. Babies do not like tummy time when the challenge is too great. And that's what I tell parents. It can't be, and I also really encourage parents to make sure it's not stressful for them because mm -hmm. anything that's really, really hard on them emotionally because they're reacting to their child, that's just a bad situation. Yes. So everyone has to be happy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I remember my daughter's almost two and when she was an infant and she actually was born with a little neck tilt and stuff. So there was a lot of repositioning and doing all that to get her neck to straighten out and then it ended up being fine. Um, but just to get her to do the tummy time, you know, we just started out, like you said, cause she didn't love it right away, but doing it against the chest, we progressed slowly on the horizontal and then gave her a little roll under her chest so that she was propped up a little bit more because she did have a big head. <laughs> so that just gave her the extra, the extra boost. Um, you know, really helped and we didn't have any equipment. So I think, you know, at my shower, my baby shower, you know, there were a lot of fellow physical therapists there and, you know, people, in, in our field, so, you know, everybody knew better. Like nobody brought an extra saucer. Nobody brought a walker. You know, there was really like just play, like basic play toys there. There was no equipment other than like a high chair and a stroller. Um, they would have been crucified. Yes. What did you bring? You didn't yeah. bring a format? Yeah, no, all my, all my PT friends were like the best, you know, most constructive and like, yep. you know, the best like floor toys and everything it was awesome. Um, I say, you can tell, you know, what area we all work in. It was great. Um, but this is such great information because I think people get inundated with the whole tummy time thing and they don't really know why, um, you know, why it's so important and why it matters for development. And then even down the road, you know, when we talk about how our muscles develop from head to toe, so like even with what I do now with pelvic health, like, that, that matters, you know, we need our tummy time to help us develop our core strength. Core strength helps with bowel and bladder health because we need to have a nice posture, postural support system, and it helps with, you know, our elimination. So all of this stuff is all interconnected with everything that's gonna happen to us, you know, for the rest of our lives. So it really is, you know, important that we try to do tummy time with the babies. Um, so in considering everything else that happens during this first year, which is a ton of motor milestones, so many things change over the course of, you know, the first 12 months, what are some other general tips besides tummy time um, that we can tell listeners just to encourage, you know, their motor development that first year? So motor development requires a lot of practice, lots. And I try and tell parents to ensure that they have an uninhibited environment. Again, no restrictions. So if you want to ever think about, I guess, something similar to a bouncy seat. So that's like you and I as adults in recliners, watching our favorite guilty pleasure on TV, whatever that may be, and then expecting that after we finish watching hours and hours of our show that somehow we've developed some superhuman strength by doing nothing but sitting there passively. Mm -hmm. So 
these devices such as these inclined positioners, I don't even know what they're called now because my kids are older mm -hmm. and I also never had one, mm -hmm. but I guess the bouncy seats, the mamaroos, yeah. these things, they, you have to strap the child in because you have to be safe. But in effect, you're preventing tons of weight shifts, tons of development of the muscles in the body reacting. Mm -hmm. So having that unrestricted, uninhibited environment allows for these weight shifts, the baby to understand how to move their body. And if it moves too far, then they have to react to it. And I think that's the other thing I try and encourage parents. I say in a safe, supervised environment, I really want you to let your baby experience giant balance losses, maybe they'll lose their balance. You can be there to catch them, but it's that giant balance loss and those quote unquote mistakes, they're happy mistakes, uh, they're learning mistakes. And if you can let them experience it, then they can learn how to eventually fix it. So it becomes a feed forward system. And I think all too often when you inhibit a child from moving because you're afraid of their safety or whatnot. Like I said, it has to be in a supervised safe environment. If you can let them move unrestricted and safely, I think that they'll learn a lot more rather than just worrying so much because they might fall. But if they have never fallen, they'll never know how to protect themselves right. the next time it happens. So for parents, I know that they have these sit-me-ups, they have up seats, they have I don't even know, bumbo seats yeah. to protect a child from falling. But I'm like, you know what? The baby should just be sitting guarded mm -hmm. and yeah. experience a balance loss. Cause when they do, then they'll figure out to put out their hand so they don't fall over. Then once they put out their hand, they can then raise back up to sitting and correct themselves. And yeah. then they're going to be safe. It's that repetition and constant feedback to that same experience that will then allow them to appropriately be safe and have a feed forward system. So it's, they, they just have to have lots and lots of experience and they really mess up a lot. When you watch infants move, it's, it's so fun and it's so cute. It's so uncoordinated, but you have to start somewhere to then develop skills. So not having that practice, I think is, is probably the most problematic. Mm -hmm. So that's why as a PT, you know, as well, we really want them working against gravity. You're going, that's the only constant in every single person's environment. Mm -hmm. One constant is gravity. Mm -hmm. Everyone's natural environment is different. That's My so natural environment is very different from yours, even from a dietary standpoint, even from activity levels, we're different mm -hmm. and our body makeup is different. But the one thing that everyone in life has to work through is gravity. So to develop the proper control from day one, because that's really honestly when it starts. Oh, so yeah. you can get that control and strength from day one to work against gravity mm -hmm. and then your trunk and then the rest of you, it really sets a different tone in life for future possible injuries, possible body health. So mm -hmm. it's, it's so key. Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, from the minute you're born and you're out of that wonderfully warm and fluid womb, um, you're, you're working against gravity. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said, any skill, I mean, at any age, whenever you go to a new skill, it requires practice. Um, and then your brain can anticipate what to do the next time that skill is required of you. But we all go through that, no matter how old we are. Whenever we're learning something new, um, it takes practice. And we develop our coordination. Some of us, that might require more practice than others. Um, but we all have to do some amount of practice for a new skill. Um, very true. And I think um, 
you know, when I think back to, you know, my daughter going through her milestones, um, the first year and stuff, you know, just, she was just on the floor, you know, just all the time. She's always had her sitting there on the floor, laying on the floor, doing rolling, doing tummy time. You know, if I needed to put her somewhere um, for a couple of minutes because I had to do something, you know, I would put her in the pack and play. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge for new moms. You know, what do I do with the baby? Like, when I have to go to the bathroom or I have to do this, like just, you know, for like a few minutes. I said, just put them in the pack and play. Like, you know, make sure there's, you know, make sure they're safe, make sure they're okay in there. But like, you know, they'll, they'll be okay for a few minutes. And then that's you can do whatever you have to do. Yes, yeah. that's my best recommendation too. And I think that the toy manufacturers have brainwashed that no, your child needs to be entertained at all times. And my advice, no, they don't. They don't get bored. No, if they don't. Anything, they don't get bored. They don't have the development in their brain at this point to understand what boredom is. Mm -hmm. They could easily look at a black and white book that is placed on the other side of that pack and play mm -hmm. while you're going to the bathroom. Yeah. Or while you're cooking, maybe just turn a page. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that they're not sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I'm being, I'm not being watched and coddled. They're not thinking that. They're like, what is that? Ooh. Yes. yes. Oh, exactly. I, yep. so it's much to totally look Yeah. So much to see. Mm -hmm. So true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about for parents who suspect that their child may have a delay in their motor development. You know, pediatricians will ask things, you know, at their well visits and stuff, you know, what a child is doing. Um, but if mom or dad or if a parent suspects that their child may have a delay, you know, what's the best thing that they should do? Where should they start? So I'm a huge proponent of addressing delays right away because. I don't think that, again, learning requires practice. If you're not learning something or you're not learning it correctly, it can cause a lot of major problems and compensations. So when a parent has a concern, I always say bring it up to a pediatrician mm -hmm. and get their take on it and see. But I really am more proactive than I want to be reactive because when you're proactive, therapy is a lot less time-wise that you have to deal with. I had a baby, perfect example. A mom was concerned about her baby's head shape, came into me at week three. We did repositioning, talked about neck control, about how we can develop it. Um, and again, she's only, she did have a slight flatness at three weeks of age, but by three weeks after that, it took three weeks to get it flat. We pretty much got it rounded three weeks later. That's great. So about a month and a half, she was discharged because there was nothing more than head flattening. Mm -hmm. So it will lessen your time in therapy. Yes. I think waiting for time to just pass in order to, that doesn't, I don't believe that that works. Mm -hmm. If there's no intentional effort into learning or developing, there will be no results. So when there is an immediate concern, I would say, listen, let's address it now because as a PT, you know this too, and you've seen it in your own practice. I've seen delays that could have easily started out as one week, two week delays, three week delays. They can end up as this child grows because nothing has ever been addressed. Mm -hmm. It can lead to delays that are months different from their peers mm -hmm. to years. Yes, absolutely. And then that's a struggle for the entire life. And, and development is through the lifespan. Mm -hmm. Why not address it? It can be very short, sweet, 
pleasant and be done. And of course, you and I mentioned, yes, there are some might require more help than others, but it's okay because ultimately it leads to success because now you've addressed it appropriately and given really good techniques to the families to help their own child and empower that development mm -hmm. rather than just watching this child continue to struggle. That, that I think is the hardest thing. And kids eventually learn that there is a challenge when they're older. They're like, oh, I'm not necessarily as quick as the other kids. And that's what they come into the clinic saying, or they say, I can't do something. And when I became a mom, it was very heartbreaking to hear a child be so aware that they can't do something. Yes. So that becomes social implications at a certain yes. age. Yeah. Social, that's, that's emotional. Really mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely the hardest thing being a parent is to, you know, see your child feel like they're different from their peers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you, you brought up such a great point that, you know, if you work on things sooner than later, in the end, it ends up, you know, saving time. Um, it helps things improve faster. Um, and then also in the end, it's also saving financially, no matter who is paying for the service. So I know, and I, I know there are studies about, you know, earlier intervention, saving money, um, you know, in the long run. So if you do suspect that there's an issue, you know, I would say, you know, don't panic, uh, but definitely seek out expert advice or consultation from someone like yourself so that you do become informed about what is exactly going on. Um, and then you can know you can know the steps um, to take to work on things. And there is there is definitely a spectrum for what's considered you know normal motor development. Um, but I think that also that that shouldn't be confused with you know every child will grow out of this or you know every child will catch up you know at one point or another because then we don't we don't have answers. We don't know when that's going to happen. So I think taking the active role like you said and just working on things soon you know, sooner than later and taking that active role is just such a better uh, roadmap. And I also think in seeing patients for years, they present so differently. So to have a blanket statement of your child will outgrow it mm -hmm. is not okay because are you taking into consideration that this child is so different from the child that possibly quote unquote outgrew it? But again, when you're at appointments, the the physician or caregiver uh, might not realize that you may have done x y and z and that's why they quote unquote grew out of it because maybe they were that that child that didn't tolerate tummy time yet the parents ended up putting them in gymnastics this sport this sport this sport this sport and then all of a sudden you now have an eight-year-old that's on these travel teams that is so high functioning and then the uh, the conclusion drawn is, I told you they'd outgrow it, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. They actually did intentional stuff to make their bodies stronger, to make them more coordinated. But yeah. that's yeah. not something that's discussed in a visit. Not right. all the activities that you do. Right. And so I think my whole thing is I tell parents, I don't, what if that child is a one child that doesn't quote unquote outgrow it, then what? Yeah. So I would rather be proactive. I'm always more proactive than reactive. Let me make sure that everything is, I get all my boxes checked off, we're good, okay? Rather than they come in because we've waited. We wanted to wait and see a year whether they would develop. We wanted to wait and see six months. And by the time they're coming in, they're nine months delayed. Mm -hmm. And when they could have really only been like a month behind. 
Right. Because they've developed all these atypical movement patterns or compensations and strategies. So I, I would rather them be on point and just get a consultation and just hear your child is perfect. Great. Just get a consultation. If there's a concern as a parent, you have to go with your gut. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's also great advice. I think for parents, you know, especially, you know, moms, they have that like little inner voice in them where they know something's not right. And that little push that, you know, tells them they want to do something about it. You know, listen to that little voice, you know, it's, it's just the best advice that, you know, I can give somebody really just listen to their own mom instincts and their parenting instincts. And if you think your child needs help, then definitely seek it out 100%. Correct. And, um, oh, go ahead, Melissa. Well, I also find that sometimes when um, families come into us, they'll say, well, I was always told that he was fine and I just listen. And I said, absolutely, you know, listen to your provider, take what they say, but you can also go and seek out a consultation. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York is a direct access state and different states have different, mm-hmm. I guess, ac- accessibility to physical therapy. Yeah, they do. So, so, you know, check each state's laws and you, if you wanted to, and possibly the person is telling you they don't need it, yet you still want it, you can proceed. Mm-hmm. Right. So just to clarify what you're mentioning uh, for listeners. So what you, you're referring to with direct access. So in New York state, um, we do not need a physician referral to do a consultation uh, for physical therapy. And we don't need one until we had at least 10 visits or someone is undergoing treatment for 30 days. Then we require a physician referral. In each state in the country, that's different. Um, some states don't require any kind of referral at all. Other states require it right from the get-go. So in New York, it is great that we do have that limited direct access so somebody doesn't have to wait to see their doctor. They can just go ahead and make a consultation appointment with you and just get their child looked at, you know, right away to ask whatever questions that they have. Um, so that's, that's a really great thing about being in New York. Um, so Melissa, I want to begin wrapping up, but before we say goodbye, I would love if you shared with listeners um, a little bit about your company and definitely share your contact info. Oh, wonderful. So we are in, we're based out of, well, actually we have three locations. We're in Westchester, which is in, well, it's, I guess, lower county. We have a Putnam County location, which is Brewster. And then we have a Ulster County location, which is Highland. So we have seven physical therapists and we have numerous professional certifications, which I think are very important. I, we have a, a, one of our PTs has a pediatric certification. Mm -hmm. So she's board certified in Mm -hmm. pediatrics. I myself have a neurodevelopmental treatment certification, which I did both the pediatric and the advanced course, which was the advanced baby handling. I have a, another therapist who is in the midst of completing her NDT certification. And actually one of our seasoned PTs also has been an NDT certified therapist for, I wanna say 20 years. Mm-hmm. And we have a level three Cuevas medic therapist and mm-hmm. she's one of six in the entire country. Wow. So, so we have quite an interesting group of specialties within the specialty of pediatrics. Mm-hmm. 
I think is great. Yeah. So we're the, our largest location would be the purchase. So that's where most of us see each other. So it's always nice where that we have this collaboration mm -hmm. and different brains just trying to help and problem solve challenging cases. So that's really nice. And our contact information uh, is, I guess I can give you our email. Is that what you normally Yeah, do? or share on your website. Oh, okay. So our website is um, www.powerofmovementpt.com. And you'll find all of your PTs on there. You can read about us. You can read about our, you can read our bio from there, our experience. And it'll also have the other two locations listed. Well, it'll have all three locations listed on there. Okay, awesome. Um, Lisa, this was such a great discussion. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. And everybody, thank you for listening in as usual. And we will catch you next time. Have a great day.